and welcome back to the Pinstripe Podcast. Scotty, what's up? Nothing much. I mean, well, a lot in the baseball world, but nothing much personally. Yeah, it has been quite the week in baseball. So, I mean, we just got to dive right into it. We have a lot to talk about, starting all the way back to 10 minutes before last week's freaking episode was posted. I was so mad, but happy that... The Yankees and DJ LeMahieu agreed to a six-year, $90 million contract. Before we get into other options, Scotty, what were your reactions when you first saw it? Thank freaking God. (laughs) Now we don't have to worry about him, and now we can stop talking about him. I agree. I agree. I think I said it either last week or the week before. It has become my least favorite topic before, like, he signed, because it was just never any actual news it was just frustration all the time I am a little confused because I thought our big issue was the length of time that we were signing him for correct everything that we were told was that he wants five Yankees and other teams only want to give him four and then we settled on six for less than a hundred million it like went against absolutely everything that we had heard in the news about it, which blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing, we're like, I don't know if we want to give him $150 million for five years. That's a lot. And they're like, six years for 90. Like, you're like, um, wait, what? <laughs> like, none of this adds up to couldn't what do, anybody was you thinking. You couldn't have done this, like, I don't know, four weeks ago, if that's what you're going to go for. So, like, Yeah, on. it was so weird. I, like, I, I'm glad that we got him. I'm glad that we got him so that we're still under the luxury tax because apparently that is something that the Yankees are very concerned about recently, as we have been able to tell. Um, But I don't understand what took it so long if we ended up folding on how many years we were giving him and he ended up folding, like he compromised on the money, we compromised on the time, but he got more, I, I don't know. It just... I'm, listen, I'm not complaining at all. I know that the like last two years, maybe three years of his contract, he's probably going to be under like extra scrutiny because of his age. But listen, if he can just keep putting the bat on the ball, I'll be happy. That's really all that we're signing. That's, a, that's the main thing that we're, we're going for. And you yeah. Know, if he can produce, he can produce. Exactly. So apparently the only really other offer that I found that I could find was that Toronto had offered him four years from for 78, but he came back to New York. Let me do the math really quick. 90 divided by six. So he'll be making 15 million a year with the Yankees. Oh, he would have only been making 12 in Toronto. So not only would he have left the team that he wanted to stay with, he would have been making less money. I still can't believe that we got him for $90 million. I said that like $90 million is not a lot of money. <laughs> I was like, only $90? Um, I don't know. I'm super glad that we got our guy, but I don't know how it happened. And I don't want to try and figure out, like, who threw out six years 90? And they, both groups were like, yeah, that's tight. That's tight. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. <laughs> they were like, that makes sense. Sure. Bet. See you then. But yeah, they're like five years, one fifty. No, we're not doing that. Four years, one hundred. All right, let's 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 decide this. Six years, ninety million. Oh, why not? Exactly <laughs> what I needed. But listen, I'm glad we got him. I think this is obviously we talked about it a whole lot. We need him. We need him. You know, there were so many people that as as like the time got later and later between us not signing him, they were like. We don't even need him anyway. Shut up. You're lying. Who would voluntarily not have the best hitter, arguably in baseball, not on their team? Exactly. (laughs) Like, stop trying to, like, go through grief before he's already not a Yankee. So, like, now what do you do? Now you got to eat your words and be like, oh, I'm so glad DJ's a Yankee. (laughs) You look like an idiot. You look like a fool. A damn fool. But very excited to see DJ in pinstripes the next six years. People are probably going to get real picky at the end, but I think we got to 
oh well, get over it. I think we got him for a steal price-wise. And, you know, we get him for six years. What if he's like Nelson Cruz and just whacking away at 40? You never know. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other news that broke Friday, I think 10 minutes after our episode went up, really the timing of Friday. Yankees got to stop breaking news on Fridays. It's really rude of them. And it really clashes with our schedule. And I, I think I'm just going to call up Cashman and Steinbrenner and myself and be like, stop it. Stop just breaking news on Fridays. Later, earlier. Not Friday. <laughs> Thursday, like, morning, latest, you can do it. If it's after 12 o'clock on Thursday, save it till Monday. Save it. Anyway, the, um, the other news is that the Yankees also signed Corey Kluber for one year, $11 million. This is a move. And apparently, he passed up on larger offers for the Yankees. Which, you know, always makes you feel good about yourself. But that's obviously just like a rumor and you can't put that much weight on it. Scotty, you're our pitching guy over here. How big is this Kluber pickup? Oh, it's 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 huge for our lineup. I mean, we've always we talked about it in past episodes. That's kind of where we're judging on. I mean, we're we need relievers. We need starters, especially the situation that we're in. And I feel like Kluber will really help us all around. I mean, experienced pitcher. It is, it is only one year, but I feel like also with the DJ signing, both of those like together, that will help on both sides of the ball. And I mean, Kluber is, it is a, has been a, an important pitcher for the last few years. I mean, he's been he's been a notable pitcher for for a few years now, and so it's not like somebody that you're like, oh, I don't really know if he actually will do something. He'll very much have an impact. Are you concerned at all with him only pitching one inning last year? I mean, you, you could. I feel like that is a concern in a way. But also at the same time, that's something that you have to understand with the player. Yeah. Is what was up? What was going on? How are you feeling now? How, how have you recovered? Anything like that. Like, uh, because even if it's like just like, hey, I want to take the season off. You only pitched one inning. Mm-hmm. Like I, just, I wasn't hurt or anything. I just want to take the season off. You still have a recovery. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's that's probably a, a big thing. I mean, you you have to hope that he's going to be as good as he was in 2019. But I, sorry, keep going. You want? I mean, you're going to hope that he is. I mean, you never know, but uh, you just want to be able to like. That's something you have to talk to with him of how he's feeling, what he looked like when he's been pitching in the off season or, or in his downtime. I mean, that's probably where most of the, the business came in behind the scenes for that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Yankees definitely looked into it. He threw a lot of pens with scouts, and the Yankees weren't the only team interested. You know, there are a lot of teams interested, which I think honestly makes me feel better about him coming off of only throwing one inning last year because he was still able to drum up a lot of interest from a lot of different teams, and the Yankees were able to get him. You know, so it's not like he wasn't throwing well and then we just took a chance on him I think the fact that there were a lot of other scouts and a lot of other people that were looking at Kluber that kind of makes me feel better and a little bit more secure in him in the 20 for the 2021 season you know yeah um and unfortunately the line has kind of been connected by John Heyman that because of the Kluber signing the likelihood of Tanaka coming back to the Yankees is pretty much slim to none. Um, so he was looking for a one-year $15 to $20 million contract. And he kind of came out and said that he was only going to pitch for the Yankees. You know, he wasn't going to play in another Major League Baseball uniform. So he's most likely going back to Japan, where he's from, and signing a pretty sizable contract over there, probably in the 2025 million dollar range so like am I sad to see Tanaka go yes a hundred percent but good for him for getting that cash yeah respect (laughs) like I I don't think if because it seems like we are very concerned with the luxury tax and trying not to go over it because all of a sudden the Yankees are crying poor 
I don't even understand how the luxury tax works. I should really look into that. I think it's just like if you go over, I think it's two hundred and ten million a year. You have like extra that you have to pay the league. Does that sound right? I feel like two hundred and ten million is a lot, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the Yankees are pretty adamant of not going over it, and the signing of DJ and Kluber for this year kind of puts us right up to it. I think we're like four or five million below it, and you're not like there's no there's no one they're gonna offer a one year contract to for that amount of money. Um, but I mean, I, respect for Tanaka. I, I mean, we've talked about it last time or the time before when it came out that he said he was only gonna pitch in a Yankee uniform. We love the loyalty. Hello? Yeah, sorry. No, I I, thought, <laughs> I was just looking again. I just decided to really look in depth about Kluber's stats, and I have an interesting take on it. Okay, go ahead. So he was an all-star three years in a row, 2016 and 2018. Mm-hmm. 2019, he only played in seven games with a 5.8 ERA, and then last year he only played in one. So when he plays a whole season... He plays extremely well. Yeah. It's just these shortened seasons, which is something that a one-year contract, you have to make sure that he's actually going to really play. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have any thought that he's... As long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be fine to pitch the whole season. But that is an interesting observation that it's like if he starts off maybe on a bad foot or, or something and then he ends up having a shortened season... I don't know. That's good observation. I don't have much to say, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a, a situation this past week as well regarding the Reds and Luis Castillo. So it, it's been kind of a leading rumor around at least Yankee fans that the Yankees were targeting and working to trade for pitcher Luis Castillo from the Reds and apparently right so this started that apparently the Reds said that they wanted to trade Castillo for Glaber Torres and a few more people I think Clint Frazier's name was thrown into the mix um I think some prospects were thrown into the mix and the Yankees said no so now Castillo is not going anywhere he's not available for trade but then the Reds' general manager came out and said that those rumors weren't true. Other people said that it still happened. You know, Clint Frazier said he wasn't getting traded. I don't know. It was very messy and very confusing. So, like, I had a post all made to post about it, and then I was like, I don't even understand what's going on here. And I'm grateful. Like, again, I saw people on Twitter like, okay, I would trade – Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier for Luis Castillo sign some random shortstop for a year and then go after like Trevor Story next year. Whose money you using? Who's yeah, ex- exactly? You just went over that we're like you know we're trying to be on the border of money on on how much money we're using, and I feel like with the Kluber pickup especially that kind of drop the desire to get Castillo. Like, I still think we need a starting pitcher. I agree. But I'm not willing to give up Glaber Torres, who the Yankees, like, Didi Gregorius said it, the Yankees have said it. He's, well, Brian Cashman's been kind of weird about it. He's supposed to be our shortstop, you know? And I don't know, I just, the Yankees are not good at quickly picking someone up. So what is the likelihood that we would have been able to trade Glaber Torres, and then sign or trade for another shortstop. I don't know. We just – sometimes the organization moves a little slow, and I really, really did not want to like that to happen and then us go into spring training with Tyler Wade as our shortstop. I love him as a person. Don't love him as a starting shortstop. <laughs> you know? I feel, like, I feel like in a situation like that, Somebody like Torres, the only reason that I feel like 
the Reds would get somebody like Torres and Frazier at the same point is if they just bring up his last year stats. Castillo's or no Glaber's? Yeah, because that kind of brings Glaber's defensive stats or offensive stats. His defensive stats, especially. I mean that that I feel like that would kind of bring down his 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 trade worth, mm-hmm. and that I feel like would be their way of being able to get Frazier as well. But I mean, it's 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 tough. I feel like people don't give enough respect to, to Clint Frazier. I one hundred percent agree. Plays. I mean, I feel like they're still seeing him as a uh, basically a prospect who's played in a few games, mm-hmm. and he really isn't that anymore at all. He got listed as I think a top five, definitely a top ten. I think he was in no, I think he might have been seventh best left fielder in the league. And like for, I don't know, don't, don't shit on him. Homeboy can do it. Like we've talked about like, and he has as well, like when he first came up his first year that he got to play in the major leagues, he was immature. He was chatty and wasn't, was not really like mentally, emotionally, socially ready to be a major league baseball player. His change from 2019 to 2020, he matured so much both as a baseball player as a person as a personality like put some respect on my boy's name he just wants to show off his cleats yeah let him be um and i I agree that the reds probably used glaber's down year of 2020 as again if this trade conversation happened as like a bargaining chip you know the Reds were like, we need a shortstop. You need a pitcher. We'll take Glaber off your hands. And I think because like they probably like rated Castillo as more useful to the Yankees, they were like, we need something else too. Let's dock your left fielder. Um, We've already had enough issues with our left field last year. Yeah, bro. Anymore. Don't don't do that. Um. But I think that what is important is I was while this like whole mess was happening, I was scrolling through Twitter and first of all, there were a lot of things I saw. One was that somebody tweeted a kind of compilation. I think they're a part of John Boy of um, they tweeted that most of Glaber's really good plays happened to come in games that we were losing or ended up losing. So you kind of lose them. So they like made like a, a video of like all of like Glaber making plays that like maybe he shouldn't have made or like you didn't think you would make in games that we were losing. So you forgot about him. You know, you remember games that you won. You remember a lot about games that we won and or games that we were winning. And then like one inning had us fall behind. Um, but also while I was on that Twitter scroll, um, I found a stat about Glaber in the postseason. So the way that this tweet happened is that John Boy on Talking Yanks talked about how good Glaber has been offensively in the playoffs, right? So then this Twitter account, New York Yankee Stats, um, posted the four highest playoff OPS in Yankee team history. It goes... Number one being Babe Ruth with a 1.285. Number two being Lou Gehrig with 1.214. Number three, Reggie Jackson at 1.090. And then Glaber Torres with 1.037. You know, those first three are Yankee legends. You know? Like, those are the names that are just like, Yankees, bro. And then to have Glaber in there with them, of course, he still has the rest of his career that, you know, that number can change and fluctuate. But as of right now, Homeboy is useful, not only in the regular season, but super, super effective in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I mean, he had one rough year, and that's defensively. Defensively, he was disappointing last year. And Last year was a whack-ass year. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago. He came out and said, he's like, I was not, I did not handle quarantine well. 
I was not prepared for the season like I normally am able to prepare for the season. You know, professional athletes are very regimented and they do certain things with certain people at certain times. And the pandemic and quarantine and everything getting shut down obviously affected that. And he's a human affected by a global pandemic. That's allowed, you know? Yeah. And I mean... Listen, it was I frustrated for a very long time, sometimes with Glaber defensively. Yeah. But other than my absolute love for DD, there is nobody else I would want to play shortstop for the Yankees right now. You know, people will, you know, they're, people are like, ah, Corey Seager or Trevor Story. No. Glaber Torres is our shortstop. And, you know, he's a big heart of the team not only for like the team on the field but i think fans and i think this the weird thing that i hate about yankees twitter and i've been avoiding twitter recently is that we are so quick to cut ties with players that we like feel are super like right over the summer over season we're like yes glaber 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 and then like the second there's a rumor they're like i don't care get rid of him what if they said aaron judge you know what if they said Someone that, like, always gets praised. But, like, I'm just... Don't cut your ties so quick, my guys. You gotta have a team. You can't give, give up your starting left fielder and your starting shortstop for a pitcher, you know? You, you need to be able to field a team. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying, but... I don't know. I just think we should keep Glaber, and I'm glad we did. Sure, Castillo would have been a great pickup if that was even a true thing, but keep keep Glaber, and especially keep Clint. My last Yankee news is just to further my scientific theory of players being better once they have babies. Luis Severino is expecting a baby boy. He's expected to come back in 2021. I expect game one to be a perfect game. <laughs> it just all adds up. It all adds up. Actually, if it, the baby's not born before he comes back, then we'll have to, you know, readjust some things. But I don't know. We'll see. I've never seen it in regards to a pitcher. You know, I haven't. My theory didn't really, like, happen while there were pitchers having kids. Like, Clayton Kershaw had a baby. I, I don't know. I, my theory was not in action uh, and it was Clayton Kershaw. Was yeah, so so it's a little well. unbalanced. Yeah, no, he probably did very well, except when they got to the playoffs. <laughs> but something to keep an eye on. Um, do you have any other Yankee news? I mean, I guess you could say this is Yankee news. Is it J-Hap? It is J-Hap. Yes, that was my transition. You want to hit him with J-Hap? Uh, you could go. You have probably more details on, on Um, I just have the contract amount. Yeah, that's really all that. Okay, well, our boy, not my boy, Jay Happ, just signed with the Minnesota Twins for one year, $8 million. I can see it now. Us playing the Twins in the playoffs. Jay Happ on the mound. He gives up 75 runs. Ah, perfection. What are your thoughts? Like, what do you think went through the Twins' mind? When they signed Jay Happ, a guy that they've literally seen how many times against the Yankees, they're like, that's the guy we want. I mean, they're a team that, I mean, we've already talked about. They have pretty solid rotation around both offensively and defensively. And so my guess is that they probably went and they wanted to, to try any kind of way to get that little boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the big thing is... Um, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Uh, our dad did tell us about this. Uh, this is not amazing. Uh, he's, as a Yankee himself, I want to get this right. He is um, 21 and 10 was his record as a Yankee. Yeah, okay. He really didn't have, it was just. But like, how many times was he pulled, like, to have it's an, just, it's a non decision? of just his ERA of, of like, Probably around. I, I'm just going off of the numbers here. 
it's probably close to like high threes, low fours is mm-hmm. the ERA. That's really the the big issue there. Um, and so I feel like with something like that, honestly, an ERA of of, of like uh like high three isn't good, but you also are on a team that bombs balls. True. That is true. He'll get a lot of run support. Not that, like, the Yankees struggled last year sometimes. Like, some games we would blow pitchers out of the water, and some days we're like, can we pl- can you please just scrummage up one run? And I feel like the times that we were always trying to scrummage up one run were, like, half in packs and starts. And it's like, these are the guys that need your offensive help. Not exactly. Garrett Cole, who's going to give up one home run. Right, like right in the beginning of the game because when else would he do it? (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I feel like they did sometimes get, I don't want to say screwed, but like kind of stuck with days that we were a little bit offensively slow. But, I mean, listen, maybe he'll be like Sonny Gray and he'll go there and be amazing. I'll be so pissed. Um, Yeah, I mean... I didn't realize, I'm looking at this now, is how many freaking teams he's played with. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, oh, man. Um, I don't know. The thing about J-Hap that will always stick out in my mind is game two against the Rays when they had Debbie Garcia run as an opener. And then J-Hap gave up four runs in two innings. And I was like, this is who we went to? We went to J-Hap <laughs> after Debbie Garcia? Sick. Sick, bro. But, um... I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get sunny grade. I hope that's a term that sticks. <laughs> yeah, you got sunny grade. Yeah, sunny grade. Um, Terrible with one team switches over and he's very good. Very good. <laughs> um, staying in New York, but hopping over to Queens, we have this Mets situation. So the Mets and Steve Cohen have fired. General Manager Jared Porter, who was actually never the general manager while the Mets were in season, fun no. fact, <laughs> because he is absolutely disgusting, and he sent unsolicited texts and pictures to a female journalist while he was with the Cubs. The news broke at like late at night, and by that morning, Steve Cohen came out and tweeted and said, you know, in my opening press conference, we kind of... I've said that there, this was a no-nonsense situation, and if you do something wrong, you're gone. And he stuck to that word and fired this gross, gross man. And I'm, I think that that is amazing for Steve Cohen. I agree. Because it's not somebody that he went and was like, hey, this is just the general manager. He was already there, and then this happened. He hired him. Yeah. He hired him, and then this came out, and he goes, well, that's a mistake. You are now out of here. And I think people at first, I, I saw some people be like, oh, well, he hired him. Yeah, well, he didn't know what yeah, he happened he hired him he before hired he knew him. this was a thing. Yeah. The guy wasn't like, hi, I'm Jared Putter. I am um, interviewing for your general manager job, and I'm a disgusting pig. You know, like, no. Like, the woman stopped doing journalism. He sent like 63 texts in a row unanswered before he sent the photos and ugh, just disgusting and the absolute like epitome of how women are seen in sports is that these men are just gross. Like I just did a, I did a homework assignment. My class has started this week. Oh my Jesus Christ. Um, and I did an assignment on Erin Andrews and her like stocking case and like Oh, being a woman in sports. Can't wait for that. Um, but I don't know. I agree. I I am very happy that Steve Cohen was swift with firing someone that he himself hired. Um, and I, what's unfortunate is that as much as I, you know, I don't want him to get another job and I don't think he will get another job within baseball is that he doesn't need it. He has enough money. And also, this journalist was definitely not the only one. Like, the the likelihood that there was just one is so slim. Mm-hmm. But respect Steve Cohen for setting that precedent and sticking to it. Honestly, all good vibes coming from Mets owner Steve Cohen. 
I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> um, we've got a few more moves before we get into our team dive. There's a lot to cover league-wise. We're going to kind of fly through the Indians, the Cleveland baseball team, I'm sorry, this week. Um, skipping prospects, because we already knew yesterday when I was writing my notes out, I'm like, Scotty, we got a lot of shit to talk about. <laughs> um, because guess what? The Padres added more fucking pitching. Who's surprised? Not me. The Padres managed to still have more valuable prospects in their farm system as they were able to do a three-team trade for another starting pitcher. Joe Musgrove of the Pirates is now with the Padres. So that's the only player that San Diego got. The Pirates got prospects from San Diego, and then the Mets got involved and got this guy Joey Lucchesi. I really don't know many of the people involved. All I do know is that we have talked about Joe Musgrove on this show when there were rumors of the Yankees getting Musgrove and Josh Bell. Neither of us wanted Musgrove to be a Yankee, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we were both, like, not a fan. But it's really freaking frustrating when you're like, well, the Yankees were approaching it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I wasn't like super super against it. I was just like, you know, I guess another starting pitcher is nice. He's not a number 2. He's called a pitch a Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh ace, which means he's not that good. Um but it's just frustrating to lose him to the goddamn Padres. I don't get it. It's not that we didn't get him. It's just the freaking Padres did. If we don't have went, anything against the Padres. If Musgrove went literally anywhere else, I would not have given a fuck. But it's that the Padres seem to have an endless supply of valuable prospects to get Blake Snell and you Darvish, and we have the Reds saying, yes, for Luis Castillo, we need two of your starters. What? What? Whoever is in charge of the Padres trades, give him every possible award that a front office man can receive. There's no way that anybody just casually do that. No, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He went, he really, he seriously went, hey, we're not trading you, Darvish, unless it's Babe Ruth. Challenge And then accepted. he's like, challenge accepted. Here's some children. Literal 20-year-olds. Let me look up. Who is in charge of Padres trades? No, I don't need their transactions. I need it's like is it the general manager who does it? AJ Preller? Homeboy. You kind of look like a mix of Justin Trudeau and John Ossoff. I don't know if you know who any of those people are. Isn't the one the Canada's. Yes, Justin Trudeau is Canada's prime minister. John Ossoff is now our Georgia senator. Yeah, I couldn't tell you who that guy is. This man is a boss. Wow. Go off, AJ Preller. <laughs> Go off. Give him every award you could possibly. Like, is he just sweet talking him on the phone? Be like, you come to San Diego, I'll buy you a dinner if you take these prospects. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, okay. Wow. Anyway, yeah, I, I didn't have much to say about that except for that I'm pissed that the Padres just keep... You need more than pitchers, my guys! Uh, they went... They Well, they no, they really don't. True. That's true. That's <laughs> they true. They have the rest. Yeah, yeah, they don't. It's... Oh, wow, wow, wow. You said you have um something about comparing the rotations... Yeah, so it compared the rotations between the Dodgers and the Padres, and it it's just it's the Dodgers side of Kershaw, Bueller, Price, Dustin May, Julio, uh, Julio um, Arias. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm saying his name right, his last name right. No, but I know the guy you're talking about. And then the Padres is Darvish, Snell, Lamette, uh, Musgrove, and Paddock. And I mean that. That's just there, 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 there. That that's California for you, right? <laughs> and then there's the Angels. No, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet, and it was like the Padres are doing what the Angels should have been doing. Yes, which is so right. 
you know, the Padres, you know, you can, I mean, you can't, but you can compare Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis, right? You, you have two superstars there. The thing is, they paired Tatis with another, you know, so they have Machado and Tatis. The Angels, and the, the, what they did well is that they grabbed a superstar who was already established. I think the Angels tried to do that with Otani, you know, and pair Trout with Otani. But the problem is you had no proof of Shohei Otani being a superstar in American baseball. Not that the leagues are significantly different, but there's, like, a pressure difference, performance needs. Like, you had no proof that he was going to perform at the level you needed him to. So the problem with the Angels is that Everything is on Mike Trout. You know, you have Anthony Rendon. The thing is that he, I feel like he's, I don't know if he actually is old or just looks really old. <laughs> like that man looks goatee. old. It's the goatee. I think it is the goatee. Um, you know, you the Angels just never had two people to, I mean, yeah, you build your franchise around Mike Trout, but you need a second one, which I think was, you know, that's why the Red Sox worked really well, and we talked about it last time. You had Mookie and Xander Bogarts. And then now, no Mookie, Xander Bogarts is trying to push that team, but, like, look at how they did this year. It didn't work. You know, you need two. And if the Angels, you know, got another superstar and then started using their farm system, you could use the best player in baseball and maybe get the poor guy to the World Series. Let's start with the playoffs, not even the World Series. And it's just, it's frustrating to watch as a baseball fan because you want Mike Trout to succeed. He's a good guy. He's great for the game. He's fantastic. But he's just in a position, and like he signed into that position, you know, he signed the 12 year deal with the Angels. But God, you just feel bad. Like he's sitting there in Los Angeles looking at San Diego, like, that should be me. (laughs) Poor boy. Anyway, um, the rotations are definitely, you know, I think this Padres pre Machado's first year and before then people were like, who gives a shit about the Padres? You know, whatever. But like now they're like, hey, motherfucker. Have you, have you seen the TikToks? That's like, surprise, shoddy. Yeah, <laughs> that's them. That's them. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Why not just add a bajillion starting pitchers, San Diego? That's really cool. Talking about starting pitchers, really, really quick. John Lester signed with the Nationals for a one-year deal. Scotty, we were talking about this yesterday. What do you? How do you think this affects the Nats? It is a good push in the right direction. I mean, we talked about it when we went over the Nationals. They have good starting pitching. Mm-hmm. They just need a little bit of a boost. And yeah. I feel like although John Lester is, is a bit on the older side, um, he, he does have the potential of bringing, I feel like he has the potential of bringing more to the organization, not directly in play, but in other aspects. I mean, he was uh, with the Cubs when they won their World Series. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he went and although he is getting older, I think that he could be a, a good help to the team in terms of just like, you know. Like in the clubhouse? Yeah, more in a clubhouse sense because um, looking at everything right now, I mean, he went and his best years were 2016, 2018. 2016, we already talked about this was when they won the World Series. He did great. And 2018, he also uh, turned out to be an all-star. Uh, and so, like, he, he is consistently good, but, again, he is very old. He's not very old. Very he's, old. He's, he's, he's 30, ancient. He's 37. Yeah. So, but he is, he's on the later half. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like it'll help them a bit, but, I mean, I don't think it's, it's a huge change to their rotation because, again, they are you the have, nationals and they have. Yeah, you have Scherzer, you have Strasburg, like. Yeah. I agree. I think that he almost is more of like an emotional, mental signing sort of situation. You know, they don't have a super 
they, they don't have a super young team, but they don't have a super old team. They're kind of like right in the middle. And they are in that like weird limbo area post title that they need someone to kind of light their ass up. And I think grabbing Lester and who'd they grab last week also from the Cubs? You know the guy. I do, but I'm blanking. So am I. But I think just like these two changes, and they're both coming from the same club who have been successful, I think that it can can help them out a lot. So I do think that that is – it's not a major signing, but I think that it can lead to some other things. Now, two things, and then we're on to our team, I swear. I know you're oh so excited for that part. Um – George Springer, a little bitch, cheating, good at baseball, butthole man, that was a gross way to describe him, um, has signed with the Blue Jays for six years, $150 million. It is the biggest deal in Blue Jays history. And it beat out the Mets' offer of about 120 to 125 million. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think first of all, it's just to note, right? We're paying DJ LeMahieu for six years, 15 million dollars, best hitter in baseball, a machine. They're paying George Springer, a historic cheater was still able to play baseball very well when he wasn't cheating. $25 million a year. We get the AL uh, batting title champion. They get a guy with an attitude for $10 million more. But... I wouldn't say he was really the one with the attitude. No, I just hate his stupid face. <laughs> I just... Ugh. But we do have to play him now how many times? What are your thoughts on Georgie and Toronto? I think that, honestly, it's a pretty interesting pickup. Uh, I mean, in Toronto, that is a team that everybody's looked at and has said this is a lot of young talent. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of young, young sons of legends uh, going and playing on this team, and they somehow all got together. <laughs> and I think that Springer, I feel like although – he doesn't fit there like what he is i feel like he's kind of he seems like somebody who will go and play extremely well no matter where he's at yeah and i think that like you were saying they're all young and i think that he can really step up and be a leader for them now he plays center field correct right yeah um i always get i always get like him and correa correa plays short yes then he plays center yeah i know sometimes I know Springer was in right field when DJ hit the home run in the ALCS. But I think traditionally he plays center field. But their center, the Blue Jays' center fielder right now is Randall Grichuk. He's 28 years old. And last year he led the team with 12 home runs and 35 RBIs. So, I mean, they could always put Springer or even Grichuk in right. Their right fielder, Tescar Hernandez. Um, had it all right. I mean, they, we talked about them our first deep dive. They're a good team, but I do think that first, I think that moving Springer, well, not moving Springer, but Springer moving to Toronto will kind of help him establish himself as still being a good baseball player away from the Houston drama. Well, well first, we don't know if we're moving, if, if he's being moved to Toronto. Very true. If he's moving to Buffalo. <laughs> um, Listen, I am so angry, and I don't think I will ever fully heal from the Houston cheating situation, but looking at the players as individual talents, you know, you could see, you know, Correa was obviously affected from cheating not working anymore. Jose Altuve had a terrible 2020. You could tell how much he relied on the trash can. George Springer had a fantastic 2020. And you can see that he is just a pure baseball talent. Listen, I don't think any of them should ever, ever have any possibility of being on a ballot to go into the Hall of Fame because I think this type of cheating is even worse than like Barry Bonds or any steroid cheating because this was an entire team 
screwing over the entire league. Like, at least steroids, everybody was doing it, you know? <laughs> Whatever. But, like, this was this was a lot bigger, at least for baseball and just, like, talent's sake. I think you can – him leaving Houston is probably the best thing for him. He can kind of establish himself away from that problem. And while I don't think he should ever – be put on a ballot again I think if he helps that team kind of push into a playoff and like really compete in an American league who at this point when the Rays kind of traded Snell seemed like it was just belonging to the Yankees I'm excited to see that Blue Jays team compete with the Yankees now yeah you know? I, I think that I mean you go and you could always bring up how you're like um they cheated, it's going to be terrible, everything like that. But I feel like out of all people, Springer's probably one of the ones that I don't have a problem with. Because he's just a pure baseball talent. Because he, he yeah, he's, as you said, he clearly was not affected at all. He had just as good of a year in 2020 as he mm-hmm. did in 2019, 2018, 2017, every year before that. Yeah. And also his personality-wise. Yeah, mean, he wasn't chirpy. We, we've mentioned it. First of all, he is not somebody going. He was not somebody who went out and said, "Ah, we didn't cheat," or like Correa going, "Hey, we still won and yeah, we didn't cheat." He Correa had a asinine comment. Bregman was like, "Whatever the report says, it said shut the fuck up." Like I do. A, yeah, Springer was. And as and as I've said in in previous weeks, he has. No social media. Yeah. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. He just plays to play. Yeah. He does Which, it well. I almost, like, I wish he had been on literally any other team than the Astros. Even if he was on the Red Sox, I would have been like, hate the Red Sox. That um, The Red Sox cheated too, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you, I don't even know, like, if he was, <laughs> so, <laughs> if he was on, even if he was on the Rays, right, and like the, like the good Rays, and you know, you're like, I hate the Rays, but that guy's a good, like, I hate Blake Snell, but he's a good player, you know, it, it it's kind of, as a, again, like, as a baseball fan, not as a Yankee fan, as a baseball fan, it's upsetting to see such a good talent and someone who seems to have not needed that cheating to be good at baseball get tied up in that and like you can I don't know you can say the same thing about Justin Verlander Justin Verlander's chippy and a, a, a mean person and made comments about an offense that was cheating you didn't have anything to do with that homie were you hitting the trash can shut up but George Springer to Toronto will definitely definitely spice up the AL East. And honestly, I'm excited for it. I want the competition. Do you agree? Yes. All right. One last thing before we head into our uh, our team dive, because we are at 50 minutes already, is this mess that was Michael Brantley. So the same day that the Blue Jays signed George Springer, about 40 minutes after that news broke, there was something like, the uh the angels the blue jays are also interested in brantley so springer and brantley are friends obviously they've been teammates they're outfield like they play outfield together whatever um and then after that it was broke by bleach report had the source sportsnet but then i found that it was someone a journalist named hazel may broke that the Blue Jays had also signed Michael Brantley for three years pending a physical, right? And everyone was like, oh my God. And like, at that point I was like, the AL East is going to be like super tight for like, we're winning either first or second. And I already still believe that we can, we're either going to be first or second in the American League East. But like, that would have just thrown the team out of, out of the water. And then... From the top ropes, King Jeff Passan says that is false. I don't know what you're talking about, lady. Denies it. And then MLB.com insider, it was either Heyman or Rosenthal, broke that he had agreed to a two-year, $32 million deal with the Astros. 
it was dramatic. It was wild. You know, you, I, I feel bad for the original journalist, Hazel May, because she thought that she had it, you know, and she tried to break it early and beat to beat passing Rosenthal or Heyman. And, like, I know Heyman can sometimes be an ass. They are the Woj of the MLB. Exactly. They're the Woj of the MLB. So to beat them on something and you think you have it, go ahead. But then, like, all under the tweet, people were like, it's better to be right than first. And it's like, if she got so- like if she got cited by Passin, like, when Passin tweets something, it'll be like, he'll- if he's not the one to break it, it'll say first at Ken Rosenthal, at John Heyman. If she- he would have said at Hazel May, she would have gotten so many followers, so much more business, whatever. But. It was just absolutely savage to see Passin just like swoop in and be like, denied, <laughs> false. <laughs> but I don't know. I, could you even imagine Brantley also, Michael Brantley be, also being on that team? I, I, I would have to question everything that, that everybody's doing in the LLB right now. <laughs> I just, nope, nobody else wanted to, wanted to scoop that up. Really, you gotta let Toronto take both of them. But Let's see, literally every team in, in in the Central of America, none of you guys have really wanted to do anything so far <laughs> this year. No, not yet. Kansas City, you gonna make any moves <laughs> at all? Do you know that there's a baseball season coming up? Genuine question. Uh, Brewers, hello. Uh, <laughs> do you know that baseball's happening? I think they're too attached to the Chiefs right now. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. But it's like Rockies. Hey, baseball's coming. You're going to, like, sign Arenado? What's your situation with Arenado right now? That's all we care about. But, yeah, that would have been that – was, that was a wild turn of events because I posted it, right, and I was like, this is great, and I had to delete it because he's like, this is incorrect. And I was, like, too embarrassed to post that he signed with the Astros. <laughs> I was like, I already made this post, but with a different team. And he just, like he, – he was just signed. There was no changing. So, you know what? That one you had to hear from someone else. I'm a student. I got shit to do. Anyway, you have a few more things I just realized you want to yes. talk about. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just two quick things. Uh, the one was a little, little fun fact that I have is uh, just the other day, a record-breaking baseball card was sold. Yes. It was a Mickey Mantle card that sold for $5.2 million. Go off, King. A third of DJ's contract per year was just a card. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. So that was insane. And then uh, also the MLB is proposing to bring back the seven-inning doubleheader rule along with the runner on second and extra innings rule. No! Yes. Absolutely disgusting. I think we've talked about this many times, so I don't want to hark on it. Don't do that. (laughs) Stop it. Um, The seven-inning doubleheaders fully understand during the 2020 season. Yeah, made sense. We're playing 162 games now. Yeah. I was like, they were playing... playing there was teams that were playing 60 games in, in 58 days. Yeah, just straight. And you're just like, uh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, they were like, I don't even, what do I do if I'm not playing baseball now? What is this? So actually we play the uh, Blue Jays today in, in Buffalo. And then right after that, we actually need to go over to Kansas City and play a game over there. <laughs> We've actually invented trans, like human trans, like, we, we, we you know put what I'm trying to think of. We put, we just we like, put like two people out. Uh, since we're the away team, we get to bat first. So we just put two people. We said, hey, stall as long as possible. We'll get there, and then we'll just start we'll, sticking people at the bottom of the lineup. We'll pay <laughs> you money to streak across the field right now. Please just waste time. Be fast. Drones. Put the drones. Put the drones. Fly the drones over the field. Drones, drones, drones. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the seven-inning doubleheader rule is stupid. I think... If they're going to do the runner on second rule, don't do it in the 10th inning. Yeah, exactly. Do it in the 13th or the 12th, not the 10th. That's that's ridiculous. But whatever. Now, the Cleveland Indians. We're going to go quickly because Scotty has a place to be. I got things to do. I got to pack to go back to school. I'm not packed at all. But um, the Cleveland baseball team has not announced their new name yet. 
But in 2020, they went 35 and 25 and came second in the AL Central and lost to the Yankees in the first round. <laughs> um, you had that one stat about someone. Yes. Yeah, so Josh Naylor, uh, he was a he. This is like his first time really with the Indians. I mean, he was drafted as a Padre. Uh, but he really didn't play a whole bunch, uh, especially during the last, uh, like the end of the year. But he did have a huge stat of his postseason. He went five for five for his first. Oh, I mean, his first five at bats. He went five for five in the playoffs, which was huge. He was like an, an actual worry. Like I was actually kind of worried about what yeah. he could do when I was watching the game. I was like, oh, God, who is this guy, and why is he hitting so well, and why are we still pitching to him? And then you look it up, and you're like, oh, this this guy is, is literally no one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wild. Um, But let's dive into their batting and starting lineup. Um, Roberto Perez catches for them. He's 31 years old, played in 32 games. So on the 165, a 264, and a 216. Carlos Santana plays first and is 34, played in 60 games. Swinging a 199, a 349, and a 350. Cesar Hernandez, or Cesar, I always say Cesar, and I don't know why. Plays second for them. He's 30. Played in 58 games. Swung a 293, a 355, and a 408. Listen, we know he's no longer their shortstop, but he's currently listed, and we already gave you the stats for the Mets shortstop. So give it up for the Mets' new shortstop, Francisco Lindor. 26 years old. He played in 60 games, swung a 258, a 335, and a 415. Jose Ramirez plays the hot corner. He's 27. Played in 58 games, 292, 386, and 607. Jordan Leplo plays left field. 26 years old, 29 games, swung a 192, a 304, and a 359. Delino DeShields plays center. He's 27, played in 37 games, swung a 252, a 310, and a 318. Tyler Nagwin is 29. I don't have how many games he played. He swung a 218, a 248, and 383. And Fran Mil Reyes is their DH. He's 24, played in 59 games, and swung a 275, a 344, and a 450. Their offensive stat leader was Jose Ramirez, so he's really got to pull his weight now that Lindor's gone. Anyway, unless you have anything to say about their offense or anybody, we got to get this show on the road. Hit us with some pitchers. So the Cleveland pitchers. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I <don't> wanna, <laughs> so uh, the Cleveland pitchers were extremely dominant. I mean, first of all, besides the point that they're literally about three of them that are listed on, on the roster on baseball reference aren't there anymore. Mike Clevenger, <laughs> Brad Hand, well, Brad Hand is, is a free agent. Uh, I mean, people like that, they have them listed, but, I mean, yeah. they're not there anymore. So I just decided to continue. I mean, especially uh, Clevenger, uh, like, he hasn't been there for, for, for a hefty amount of time now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but anyways, as a team, they were dominant of pitchers. Mm-hmm. 3.29 ERA, first in, in, in their league. Apparently, zero shutouts was the best. So, nobody in in the American League got any shutouts this year. Weird. Pretty surprising. Um, 20 saves. That's second. 440 hits allowed. First. 209 runs. First. 196 earned runs. First. 68 home runs. Second. 157 walks. That was first. 621 strikeouts. That was first. Wow. As they, they were very good. They were very good as a team. And, I mean, a lot of it was up to this guy right here, Mr. Shane Bieber. Yeah. Uh, what Justin. was his player's weekend name? Not Justin. That was what it was. <laughs> and it's also on his baseball card, which I love. Justin Bieber. Go off. So the 25-year-old will be a free agent in 2025. Um, so he ha- in his three years that he's played – He's been an all-star once, he's been a Cy Young once, and then just this last year he came in fourth of the MVP. And these are his specific stats. He was best in the American League in just only two stats. Only win-loss uh, win percentage with a 0.889% win-loss and a hit-through-nine, which was a 5.4 hits-through-nine. 
I think that like by week one or two, people were like, Shane Bieber's winning the Cy Young. Like he came out hot and stayed hot the entire time. Yes. And those were the stats that he was best in the American League. Now the stats that he was best in the entire MLB uh, is wins with eight, ERA with a one point six three, and yeah, that's really those are really the only two stats that he led the MLB in. But I mean, those are the important ones. Wins in ERA. <laughs> yeah, that's really the important ones there. Uh, yeah, and so Bieber, as everybody knows, extremely dominant pitcher. He was a ter- He was a scary pitcher. When yeah. the Yankees are facing him, we we're afraid of that. Yeah, really didn't need to be. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we didn't need to be. But we, like going into the game, you're like, oh shit. But then like that day, we were like, oh, we we know how to hit it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was one of the days where we scored so many runs. But I think we had Garrett Cole on the mound too. So we're like, okay, so this was supposed to be like no runs scored either way. Yeah, yeah I think it was like a thirteen to two game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then another pitcher that I wanted to go. Uh, in on was Tristan McKenzie. Now I've read this name and I was like, I recognize that, and I didn't know why. He's 22 years old. He debuted August 22nd, so he is a very new pitcher. I have not a lot of stats on him yeah. because he's such a new pitcher. Um, he's uh six five, one sixty five, big boy, very tall boy, yeah, very skinny boy, yeah. Um, but he is, he's so promising as a player. He looks like he throws hard, he throws accurate, and he throws almost effortless. Love that. He was this guy, uh, me and my friend, um, we're both probably, we're, we're like one, the same weight, 150. Power just went out. Sick. Um, so yeah, we're like, we're like 150 pounds each. Um, I'm like two inches taller than him. And we look at this guy, we go, how the hell is he pitching 90 and he's a stick and we're <laughs> over here reaching like low 80s and we're like trying to actually work out. I, I have no idea how he works. He's a he freak of nature. As 6'5", 165, how that survives. Yeah. But he looks like he has such a good future ahead of him as a starting pitcher. He's kind of built like Chris Sale. I'd say I'd say very much length, like length. Does he have a little bit more taller. meat on his bones than Chris Sale? Chris Sale's scary skinny. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty difficult to beat Chris Sale, but <laughs> but <laughs> you're, no, he, you're kind of built like Chris Sale. No he, offense. He he is very I say that, very thin. I say that in the kindest way, Scotty. <laughs> you are built like a high level elite athlete. You've got a little bit more meat on your bones than Chris Sale, though. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But you 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 do have him beat. Um, but then the last player I wanted to go uh, in depth on was uh, Zach uh, Plesak. Uh, I went, I read the name, and I go, I recognize that. I yeah. wonder why. Uh, well, he's the son of Dan Plesak, who uh, was a former player and also a commentator on MLB The Show. That's, That's why. why I know the name. That's why. Uh, That's it. <laughs> but yeah, he is uh, also he's he's pretty young. I mean, he just finished his second year in the majors. He had a uh, um, fourteen earned runs, eight home runs, fifty-seven Ks, and uh, through two hundred and six batters. So, the biggest thing that worried me was the fourteen, uh, the eight home runs and the fourteen earned runs, which is a bit scary. There, that's yeah, pretty close. Um, and so I feel like, but again, as I said, he's also young. Mackenzie's young. They have these pitchers along with Bieber. Mm-hmm. Who also is young. I yeah, mean, Bieber's he, not old. No, he's he's as I said, he's twenty five. He has been playing for like three years. Um, but they are a a relatively young pitching team, and they all have a lot of potential with them. And I feel like that they have a lot going for them within the next few years. I agree. I'm excited. They, I mean, they've been a good team since probably around five years ago when they were competing with the Cubs for the World Series, and that really brought them, like, they were like, hey, don't forget about us. Um, so I'm excited to see, I mean, obviously we want the Yankees' path. As a Yankee fan, you want the path to be as easy as possible, but as a baseball fan, you got to love competition, and Bieber, other than that one game against the Yankees, is always good competition and really great for the game. I don't want to fly through, but um, we do kind of have to go. We both got things that we have to do. Um, 
So if you want to stay updated with baseball news and anything like that, you can follow us on Instagram. It is the pinstripe.podcast, pinstripe.podcast. Um, so, yeah, um, next week we are heading to Detroit. Talk about the Tigers. Um, this week is our last one doing it in the same state. Sad. We're going back to Zoom. I'm going back to school. So, um, Scotty, I'll... I'll see you on Zoom then. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be nice and fun. <laughs> um, but if you could, it'd be really great if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever platform you're on, whatever action you're able to take from it to the show. That would be really great. It helps us. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Um, and we can't wait to talk to you next week about the Tigers and not have to talk about DJ LeMahieu. Um, this has been the Pinstripe Podcast. Bye!